Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Pastor Plex Podcast. Chris, are you ready? Born ready. Glad to be here in studio with you once again after Snowpocalypse 2021. Also, today is our very own Pastor Plex, who you just heard from, his birthday. So everyone be sure to wish him a happy birthday every February 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. All right, so we have several questions coming from last week's sermon about the Christian family and what a serious relationship that is. So question one is, does a lack of love show a possible lack of salvation? Okay. Now this is a great question. Now in first. John chapter 1 verse 8 says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so then he writes the rest of the book assuming that this is a bunch of Christians that he is writing to. So there's a tendency for us to walk in darkness or in sin especially when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um so but what he does say here is especially in verse uh 11 Of chapter 3, which is what I preached on. For this is the message, the gospel message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not like Cain, who was of the evil one and brutally murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So if there is no love in your heart for Christians, then you need to do a faith check because that means you're not a Christian. If you don't love Christians, you can't possibly be a Christian because you don't value the ones for whom Jesus died. So when you are brought, when you are born again, you are brought into the family of God as a brother or sister in Christ. And so, therefore, um, if you do not have love for Christians, then you are not a Christian. However, there can be a season of time where you get anger, and you're angry at some Christians, and you're frustrated with some people because they have hurt you, wounded you, treated you poorly. And so therefore, that's the part where if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself, and the truth is not in you. But the great news is, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us all our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so really, the emphasis here is, we have to do this thing of confession and repentance over and over again. So there's a tendency for us to be like Cain. To, to murder our brother. Now, to murder our brother isn't to actually go and bang a rock on his head, although that is one version. It's to think the thoughts. It's to talk poorly of. It's to say slanderous things. Uh, because those that's where murder starts. Murder starts in the heart. Uh, does that make sense, Johnny? It does. All right. All right. Are you ready for question number two? I am ready for question number two. All right. So... How does maintaining proper emotional boundaries fit into being known and loved? Someone told me that Jesus ministered to thousands, sent out 72, was friends with 12, but he was only intimate with three people. How does Christian family fit with this idea? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I think Jesus would say, he also said, who are my brothers, my sister? You know, whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister. So whoever is a Christian is his brother or his sister. That's great news. Okay. Um, But let's break this question down into its parts. Can you start with the very first one? Because I think that would be helpful. How does maintaining proper emotional boundaries fit into being known and loved? Okay. So let's go with this. You're not supposed to be the Christian doormat that just gets run over. Okay, I know there's a lot of people who just sort of fear that and they haven't read the Bible because Matthew 18 says that you're clearly supposed to stand up uh, and have with proper boundaries because we all know that 
rules without relationship lead to rebellion, but relationship without rules leads to severe abuse. Now, watch this. If your chapter 18 of Matthew, Matthew 18, verse 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now, hold on. What this says is, do not accept him sinning against you. Now, I don't know where we have this idea, because this question comes up a lot, where people feel like it's our duty to be abused. It is never our duty to be abused. In fact, Matthew 18 says what to do. So go and tell him his fault between you and him, and if he repents, you've won him over. Now, look what verse 16 says. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So quotes an Old Testament verse, says, listen, do this the way of that God has always done it. Come and tell someone they're hurting you, wounding you, sinning against you. And then it says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Meaning you bring the elders, you bring church leadership, you, you know, people come and confront sin. This isn't a time to gaslight. This isn't a time to lie. This isn't a time to call somebody crazy. Like, this person's just crazy. No, this is where you bring in the people of God who are on mission for God. And if this person is wounding one of our own, then Jesus gives a specific way to treat them. Remove yourself from the top. This is the time where I think this phrase gets used way too much, but remove yourself, remove the toxic person. You're supposed to remove the toxic person from among the church. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him to be as a Gentile and a tax collector. Meaning, don't talk to him until he repents. Does that make sense? There is there is nothing in this that says, I need to set myself up for abuse. It says to clearly, it's actually saving that person to remove that person from the church. How do I know that? If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Remove the evil person so that Satan may buffet him and then he'll come back. So I feel like that's the part that we, we miss a lot of times. We think as Christians, we're, we're, we're not supposed to have any boundaries. Well, if someone is sinning against you, that's clearly going across a boundary. And so where in the world we've, we felt like we are, uh, people can treat us however they want and us sort of re- not resist that, that seems crazy to me. So um, hopefully that makes sense. Joni, what was the second part of that question? The second part is talking about Jesus and his relationship. So to rephrase, he ministered to thousands. He sent out 72. He was friends with 12 and was only intimate with three. How does this fit into Christian family? Yeah, so I, I feel like you could look at um, those are different. There's like the um, the private, the personal, the social space, um, the... Um, the public space that of Christians where you engage people at different levels. And so you do have a different engagement with the people you don't really know at church on Sunday, but at the same time, you have extended family. You have people that probably share your last name that live in a different state and you don't ever see them. But if something happened to one of their kids, because you're related to them, you probably go, you go to the funeral, you go to the graduation, you go to the thing. And so therefore, uh, you're there for times of crisis and times of uh, triumph in that person's life. And so there is levels of intimacy with different levels of Christian, different levels of intimacy alongside family. And so I feel like we just need to to recognize that. However, um, 
you're not supposed to be you, you people only have so many connectors like some people are the you know with legos you know some people are the um the eight this is new to me you, you, okay let me explain the legos to you all right. Uh, all right so legos have different amounts of little dot thingies that can mm-hmm. connect to other things and so you know you got the lego that's the six little dot lego it's got three on each side uh-huh. and you can connect them and there's the legos that have like eight there's Legos that have 10, and there's some Legos that have two, and there's some Legos that have four. So depending upon your ability to connect with other people, then you are, you're like a Lego, and you only have so many connections. And if someone, watch this, goes beyond your limit of connection and demands of you time that you do not have, that is someone not acting in faith, that's someone acting in sin. Anything not from faith is sin, that's Romans 14.23. And so if <clears throat> that's the part of life that I think a lot of times people don't understand is they ex- expect people to be at their beck and call because they're a Christian as opposed to forming real relationships because um, they don't know how to be normal. They've never trained. They've never been trained. This is why discipleship is so important. The reason why a lot of people are just weird Christians is because they they grew up in a weird household and they were broken and that actually is the beautiful thing that led them to faith in Christ. But what needs to happen if they then led to faith in Christ is there is a part of the adoption process. There's a part of that. If you lead someone to, to Jesus, now it's sort of your responsibility to kind of help them grow. Now that might mean you have to hand them off to somebody who has more time, specifically maybe a pastor or a community group shepherd or something, but there's at some point, we hand people off so they can be trained on how to relate normally and how to be to give and take. Because there's some people in friendships who are only takers. They are, they they have never they have a sense of entitlement. They've never learned how to ask questions and to be a conversationalist. They've only learned how to talk about themselves, and so they don't know how to say like, "Tell me about your day." Tell me what kind of work you do. Tell me about your job. Tell me about the people that you work with. Tell me about what was hard, what was up, what was down. Tell me about the things you like to do for fun. Tell me about uh, what your family is like, what your friends are like. And no, like for a lot of people, they've never been trained on the basics of a conversation. And so we can't sit there and just write them off, but we do need to take people who haven't been trained and show them that they don't know how to talk to somebody because they are in sin. They're not operating in faith. And you're like, but how is it sin if they didn't know? Well, when you bring it up to them that they have wounded you or hurt you because they haven't understood the proper boundary you need to establish, and so the problem might be you, that you've never established a boundary because you're afraid of having an awkward conversation, but how does that person grow without having an awkward Awkward conversation? conversation? All right, the last question that ties into this, and I believe comes right off of this, is there are several people who have um, safety questions when it comes to emotional boundaries or letting people into your life. So the direct question is, um, should we love someone even if they physically put you in the hospital or they emotionally wear you down to the point to where you're checking yourself into the hospital? What does that kind of love look like? Yeah, I guess this goes back to Matthew 18. And if you show the person that they're sinning against you and they don't care and they emotionally abuse or they physically abuse... Um, the problem could be that you are too sensitive, right? I mean, that you that you are taking things they say emotionally too seriously or you don't have a right perspective on it. That's why you bring in other people. And then when that other person goes, whoa, that guy is out of control or that girl is out of control, then you, then you, then you have like it's an intervention at that point. And then you bring it to the church. And I think what happens is a lot of people feel like the ch- maybe the church, the church doesn't get involved wherever this person goes to church at. But if you bring it up to the community group leader and that community group leader takes it to an elder, then all of a sudden the, the church is involved. And so then they're going to say that person needs to be removed because they are toxic to the church as a whole. And you are doing the church a disservice by not confronting that person and by not 
um, bringing up the issue of their sin. But here's the reality. It could be, you know, listen, I don't know the situation. Uh, I don't know the emotional abuse here that's taking place. So if it's emotional abuse, then yeah, of course. But if you're, it's someone getting their feelings hurt because someone unintentionally said something that they didn't know offended you, then we live in a cancel culture. And that is, it, this is where I think our whole world has become too sensitive. So at some point, allowing other people to hear what is being said becomes important. And so that we don't like cancel people that had no intention of hurting anybody and we're, we're just like writing people off. At the same time, we do want to protect the flock. We do want to take care of people. And if someone's not acting in a way that's Christian, then we need to take care of that. That's basic church stuff. And I know that for a lot of people, they're like, well, nobody does basic church stuff. Well, our church does. So come on, let's go do some basic church stuff. We This is what elders are for. This is what community group shepherds and leaders are for. This is what leadership is for, to protect the flock. Absolutely. All right. Last question on this. Okay, what is the difference between projecting past hurts onto our view of others versus discernment of potentially toxic behaviors and patterns? Okay, so this is the part where I feel like we can overanalyze um, a lot of what people do, but it basically comes down to this. We need to be, you know, Matthew sixteen, Matthew ten sixteen. You, you want to be. Um, Shrewd as a serpent, innocent as a dove, that, that sort of mentality. So you, there is a, a sense of shrewdness that comes. But when dealing with people and the way that they treat you, if they treat you poorly, uh, then that's sin. That's not coming from faith. Remember Romans 14, 23, anything not from faith is sin. And so therefore, it is your responsibility. Remember, this is, this is a command. This is an imperative statement from Jesus. If someone sins against you, go and bring up their fault to them. And again, I think this is where we just talk about people behind their back as opposed to going to them. You know, it was really sweet. I had somebody um, uh, felt like I, I was offensive to them, and we he came and brought it to me. And in about 30 minutes, it was cleared up and no no harm done because he didn't go to anybody else. He didn't try and talk to someone else about how bad I hurt his feelings and how what a meanie I am and all that. We were able to work it out as men. And I think what happens for a lot of us is we get wounded by people who had no intention of wounding anybody. And so we assume a motive. We assume that they're doing things wrong, which is why it's so important to bring two or three witnesses that everything can be established. This is Matthew 18, uh, verses 15 through 21. And then, then all of a sudden, if then once the witness is established and the person doesn't repent, then you bring the whole church in on it. And that means leadership and elders. And then we say, listen, this is something we need to call this person to repent on. I, I feel like this is this is how most of the church lives. Sort of terrified. Terrified that, that someone's going to wound them, someone's going to hurt them, as if the church exists to wound people. And listen, I'm not denying your hurt. I'm not minimizing your hurt. I'm maximizing it. Because if someone has really hurt you and you're not bringing it up, then now who's the one at fault? If you're, you're not obeying Jesus, who said, take that sin to that person and confront them. And if they still don't repent, get two or three of your buddies and have an intervention. If they still don't repent, bring it to the church. I think that we rarely do that. And I think as Christians, that's that's our responsibility. It's our duty. It's our call um, to love one another. We're not supposed to judge those outside the church. We're supposed to judge those inside the church. That's 1 Corinthians 5. So I, I feel like that's where people struggle. I, I don't know if mm-hmm. you've seen that at all, Joni, but that, I feel like that's where people struggle is just really internalizing that imperative command from Jesus to simply obey him and bring confront people in their sin. 
Absolutely. Most people are just terrified of confronting people in general, especially when they felt offended. Right. I think our whole culture is passive aggressive based yes. on that. And so nobody's direct about anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when people hurt them, they <clears throat> try to give subtle hints or back jabs. And then all of a sudden it's like a weird, you're like, both offended. yeah, it's just weird. So um, that's my response to that. Okay. Follow up question that you've begin to t- you've okay. begun to touch on through several of these, but just to get clarification. Mm. So when another person in the relationship is not taking responsibility for their own hurtful actions, now that's once again, maybe they didn't see them as hurtful to begin with, um, but they use your own past as an excuse. Uh, They won't explain their motives and they'll just dismiss what you say because, hey, you just got a problem in your past. Let's not even worry about this. This is your own problem to deal with. I didn't offend you to begin with. Right. I think this is why you bring in other people. Um there's God's word. I think when I when I, I tell people this probably all the time, and it's been on this podcast several times. There's a way to discern God's will of what you should do: God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. So God's word says confront someone in their sin. God's spirit says you obey the spirit, and so you discern if you got the right thing from the spirit with God's people and God's word. So I feel like whenever the person is asking this question, they have a real issue with somebody and they might be in sin because they are not confronting that person who might be sinning against them repeatedly and they have no idea. And so instead of like going back and saying, hey, listen, that really hurt me uh, when you did this or that. And then that person goes, no, I didn't. And then they go, okay, you need to bring intervention. You bring somebody else and say, no, that person really hurt me. And then other people can go like, hey, you really hurt him. What are you going to do about that? And like, then you then that person can explain. And then the two or three witnesses go, no, you really need to apologize. In fact, it seems like you're a toxic person we need to remove from this person's life because it's not healthy. And I think what happens is, is we can become afraid of that. We're afraid that we might like tear up the church. Like we'll ruin the church. No, you're supposed to have a purity of heart within the church. The church isn't a place where we just coexist with sinfulness. We 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 have desire to make things right. We're not perfect people. Everybody knows that. So this is this these conversations should be happening all the time. Unless you're a person that says, nobody's perfect, but I didn't do anything wrong. I, I feel like that's where a lot of us live. And so therefore we're um handicapped uh by this passive aggressive stance. Mm-hmm. And that's why we post random stuff on social media about how bad we leave even hurt, but we never confront that person to their face. Or even how bad of a day we're having just totally randomly out there because of something someone random did. And you couldn't go talk to them. Exactly. Okay, well, that is all we have for this week. As always, if you have questions, there's a number to text us at, and we will be glad to answer them next week. We'll see you next time.